This week on the Telltales Podcast, a cautionary tale about the dangers of going corporate. Telltales is a cabal of trouser engineers who silently gather in the corner with the dust bunnies to snort pixie sticks. And also, we write fiction stories. David is one dapper ball of wax, sticking wick in him because he's already on fire. Josh is currently in a steering contest with death. So far, he's winning. So far. Chris is neither here nor there. He's right there! Right behind you! <laughs> Made you look. Today's tale was written by Josh Carroll and is read by David Prysock. It's called The Company's Best Interest. Please step into our office and have a seat while we tell you a story. Jerry's feet were cold. His hands were sweaty. Yes, ma'am, I do believe I would be a good fit for this position. My prior experience with the company... We do not care about your experience, Mr. Stalwart. Only what makes you exceptional. There is nothing you now know that will be useful once you're part of our division, and any required training will be provided for the right candidate. Are you the right candidate? Jerry wiggled his toes. He tried to smile as he nodded and took a sip of this week's health drink. It didn't taste right. Every week, the company's R&D division distributed a new health drink to all of its employees. These drinks were supposed to promote health and acuity and, Jerry suspected, to keep insurance costs down. But he wished they'd spend a little more effort on flavor. This one had a metallic, almost salty taste that seemed to leave him thirstier with every sip but he drank it down like a good employee and feigned enthusiasm, hopeful that it would positively affect his chances at joining the division's ranks. I believe so, he said, and dabbed a handkerchief against the corners of his mouth. Good. Now tell me, the woman continued, what would you say is your greatest strength? Well, ma'am, I had planned to say my 17 years experience, but since you aren't impressed with that, I guess I'd have to say my willingness to learn. Can you learn, Mr. Stalwart? Are you an especially quick and thorough learner? Sure, I suppose. In college, I was... The woman cut him off again. How quickly can you learn? That's what's important here, Mr. Stalwart. I... Jerry stammered. I'm not sure I understand the question. The woman sighed and swiveled in her office chair to face the stack of books piled on top of the credenza behind her. She ran a finger along their spines, selected one, and handed it to Jerry. What about this, Mr. Stalwart? How quickly could you learn this? It was a thick, leather-bound volume titled The Complete Tribal Languages of Africa, Your Guide to Grammar, Dialect, and Idiom. Do you mean how quickly could I learn the basics, or... All of it, Mr. Stalwart. How long would it take you to learn everything in this book? To read and write these languages fluently. If you're among native speakers, how long would it take you to converse fluently with them? Jerry flipped the book open to the table of contents. There were at least a hundred languages listed on the first page. All of these? The woman nodded. Languages aren't really my strong suit. Then what, Mr. Stalwart, would you say is your strong suit? She took the book from him and closed its cover. I... Jerry began... I'm not sure. Mr. Stalwart, she snapped, and then smiled and softened her tone. Jerry, may I call you Jerry? Yes, ma'am, of course. Jerry, I know you've been an asset to this company for a long time. I am here to determine if promoting you will be in the company's best interest. You passed a series of rigorous exams before you were offered this interview, were you not? You outperformed your peers in a variety of mental and physical tests, or you wouldn't be here today. You subjected yourself to tissue samples, blood tests, and a brain scan, and our computers identified you as exceptional. It has taken you months of hard work to get to this interview, hasn't it? Yes, ma'am. Tell me, Jerry, do you want to work in R&D? Yes, of course. Good. I want to hire you. 
We need to fill this position, and I'd like to fill it with someone like you. Very few people qualify even for an interview. But if this interview is to continue, Jerry, then I need you to answer my question. Can you do that? Jerry nodded. Good. Let us try this again. What about you is truly exceptional. Take your time. Think before you answer. Jerry thought for what felt like several minutes, though it may have only been a few seconds. He was good at math. He had to be. And that was the sort of answer he had thought best for an interview. But now, somehow, it seemed a silly answer. She would challenge him, and he would have to admit that he wasn't exactly exceptional, not among his peers anyway. Tim Metros had been the best in the department before he unexpectedly passed away, and now Jerry might be in the running for the best. But honestly, most everybody in his current department, engineering, was an excellent mathematician, and lately it seemed they had all become even better, solving in hours or days problems that had plagued them for months. No, that was the wrong answer. He had never been much of a writer, though he had to admit that had seemed easier these days than it had been in school. Lou Wordsmith had been the best writer in the department, and he'd written the bulk of the white papers they released. But then shortly after his interview for this same position two weeks ago, he'd taken medical leave. Gallbladder surgery, they said. And since then, the rest of the engineers had all picked up the slack. He had noted improvement in his writing ability, but nothing that made him exceptional. He could not memorize large amounts of data like Joe Mnemonic or instantly gain the confidence of a client like his boss, Mr. Charisma. No, none of these would do. He racked his brain. Finally, he said, Listen, ma'am, maybe I'm not exceptional. I'm no rocket scientist or brain surgeon, that's certain. But I work hard. Harder than anybody I know. And I will do anything you ask, whatever the company needs, only give me a chance. One corner of the woman's thin lips twisted upward and she raised an eyebrow. I see. She slid the book of African languages back towards Jerry. Well then, suppose that, despite what you've told me, I asked you to memorize this entire book anyway. And let's say I gave you a deadline of next Thursday. How would you handle that? Jerry felt panic rising in his chest. He wiped his palms on the legs of his trousers. Well, ma'am, I would probably fail to memorize it all, but I would give it my best. Define your best. I would start reading here and now. I would take a cab home so I could read on the way. I would read while I ate. To be honest, I would probably skip showers and sleep. I would make flashcards. I'd get my neighbor to quiz me. I would... Why? What do you mean? Why would you try so hard when you know you're incapable of success? Because you asked me to. Because it's my job to do whatever this company needs. She stared at him as if she was waiting for him to continue. This company, he said, has provided for me and my family all of my adult life. Because of this company, my daughter was able to go to college. Because of this company, I've been able to put food on the table. And before she died, the health insurance this company provided gave us the ability to pursue every available treatment and finally, to put my wife into hospice care when they all failed. I am eternally indebted to this company for that, so I work hard and do whatever I can to pay the company back. The woman smiled. Whatever you can? Anything. Mr. Stalwart, I believe we may have found the thing that makes you exceptional. Follow me. Jerry followed the woman out of the office, past the other candidates waiting for their turn to interview, into an elevator and down to the basement. They crossed the mail room, entered a set of locked doors, past two armed guards, and entered a stark white room with a white hospital bed in the center and white cabinets along the wall. Take off your clothes, Mr. Starwart, said the woman. Excuse me, said Jerry. The woman spoke to him over her shoulder as she opened a locked cabinet. This is the final test, Mr. Stalwart. That is, of course, unless you don't want the job. I do, ma'am. I do. It's just... Then take off your clothes and put this on. She turned and handed him a white gown from inside the cabinet. I can look away if that would make you feel more comfortable. Jerry swallowed and said nothing. If this is what it took to get the job, then he would do it. He lifted his chin and looked the woman in the eyes. Then he removed his clothes, folded them neatly, handed them to the woman, and put on the gown. Very good, she said. The procedure will only take a few minutes, and then you can go back to work. We will let you know what we've decided in a week or two. Jerry laid back onto the bed. A moment later, men and women wearing surgical masks and white coats wheeled him into another room. 
He was given a shot that made him drowsy. He felt gloved hands lift him into a long, dark tube that smelled of formaldehyde. Then all became dark, and Jerry drifted into a drug sleep. George tapped his fingers nervously on the leg of his trousers. What would you say, Mr. Polyglot, makes you exceptional? Asked the woman. Well, first of all, I'd like to point out my hard work and dedication to the company. So you are a faithful and loyal employee, she asked? Yes, ma'am, said George. He took a sip of his health drink and wondered if it was really as healthy as they claimed. This week's drink had a slightly vinegarish odor and rusty color. Would you say that you are more loyal than any of your co-workers? George considered the question for a moment. He was a hard worker, but everyone knew Jerry Stallwart was the hardest working, most dedicated engineer in the department. Or at least, that's what everyone had believed until he had suddenly disappeared a few weeks before. The police were still investigating, but the rumor was that he had cracked under pressure and skipped town without notice. Jerry's absence meant everybody else now had a lot more work to do. But somehow, nobody seemed to mind at all. No, said George at last. The whole team has been putting in extra hours lately and working extra hard to finish that big project for. Then why should I consider you? What sets you apart from the rest? Well, miss, George said and paused. I'm a decent mathematician. I write a little. And oh, there's one other thing. All through school, I was always very good with languages. I don't get to use them much now, but I made straight A's in Latin, French, Spanish, jerk. Good, said the woman with a smile. Very good. Follow me, Mr. Polyglot. And please, do finish your health drink. Okay, guys. So this week, I thought that instead of our normal witty banter that we do, Yes, because uh, we're, we're normally so witty. We are, and very tangential. Very witty. Uh, instead, I thought that what we would do is our own version of two truths and a lie, where you know we'll each tell a story about something that happened to us in a job interview that was maybe it was awkward or it was really weird or funny. Two of us will tell something that truly happened, and one of us will tell a lie, and then we'll see if anybody can guess. You know, anybody of of the both of our listeners, if either of them can guess which of us is is telling the truth. Sounds good. You go first. Okay. So once I was interviewing, it was a tech company, um, all phone interviews, and uh, I had interviewed with lots of people, gone up the chain, was scheduled for this interview with the CEO, and then literally everybody that I had talked to at the company got fired. So the entire thing just dropped because everybody was fired. Nobody still worked there that I had talked to, and I don't know why or what went down. Um, I tried to follow up for a while, but uh, yeah, there was nobody still there. Wait, what? Like you were in an interview and they fired the whole company? That is weird. Yeah, like while I was interviewing, everybody was really excited, but then everybody that was talking to me about it got fired. And so I was not able to get the job because the people that were interviewing me suddenly were no longer working there. Wow. That's awkward. It's almost like they were so against you working for them that they fired everyone considering hiring you. I like to think that there was actually like a vast conspiracy involving aliens, but we can go with that if it makes you feel better. Are you sure it wasn't the rapture? <laughs> I sincerely, job? I sincerely hope it was not the rapture. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. That'd be bad news. All right, Chris, you're up. Um, I once interviewed for a, a German headphone company, um, and it went really well. We, I understood the accents and it was fine. We were clicking, um, bonding over our love for Spatzel. And then all of a sudden, um, they pull out this, have you seen those big glass beer boots? Yeah, I have one. I had to chug three of those without spilling any. <laughs> I did not get the job. <laughs> Well, did you not get the job because you were unable to spill? Or exactly. Did you get an- they were like, little weenie American man can't drink the beer. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought maybe you couldn't keep your mouth shut after you finished off the third beer boot. Well, that too. <laughs> mm, I see. Hi, David. Your turn. 
So I was applying for this job at, at a government agency once, and I was doing really well in the interview process. And they said that the next part of the, of the hiring um, process was that I needed to, um, they, they wanted me to write a bunch of stories and then like record this podcast with some guys and pretend like I was really into it. And then I, uh, I mean, they, uh, they, they, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was thinking of something else. That was someone else. That was not, that was not me. No, they asked me my uh, favorite ice cream flavor and I thought it was really weird. So how about next week? Let's talk about next week's episode. Join us next week for a fantastical adventure about traveling to unknown lands. This has been a production of The Telltales. Copyright for today's story belongs to Josh Carroll, so don't steal it, unless you're really good at stealing things, in which case we have a job we'd like to interview you for. The theme music is by the Flat Creek Kings. This week's episode was sponsored by Hipster Harry's time-traveling mail-order music service, making sure you're into bands before they're cool. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share on social media and leave us a review on iTunes. You can find us at telltaleswriting.com, on Facebook by searching Telltales Writing, on Twitter at Telltales Write, or on Instagram at Telltales Writing. If you did not enjoy this podcast, please fill out a complaint form found at your local Arby's and submit it to us by Carrier Pigeon, copied in triplicate, and signed in Worcestershire sauce. Today's story is, those teachers who said you couldn't learn by osmosis were liars, every last one of them.